Well, good morning, Coastal. How are you guys doing this morning? That was like the weakest what's up ever. Come on, how are y'all doing this morning? That is what I'm talking about. Well, I'm really excited. Today is a, an unbelievable day. I'm pumped because we have somebody that's really, really awesome here that's going to share this morning. Um, he's a very, very good friend of mine. He's also one of the overseers who provides oversight and just helps us as a church to make sure we stay on direction, that we stay on mission, that we stay on vision. He also beats me up spiritually all the time, um, which is a great thing for you guys, that there's people in my life that can, that can just go and punch me in the face and tell me when I'm wrong and, and encourage me when I'm right. But he's also been one of the most instrumental people in helping to get our church started. Uh, he was one of the first guys to say, like, you know what, TJ, I believe, I believe in Shayla, and I want to see God do some amazing things through Coastal Community Church. He happens to pastor a church in Worcester, Massachusetts. It's called Lifesong Church, and uh, would you guys please give a huge hand to Pastor David Payne as he comes and shares this morning. Thanks, man. You guys have an awesome pastor. Do you know that? Um, yeah, Pastor TJ uh, has been a friend of mine for a long time, uh, since before he even planted Coastal. And um, he and TJ, uh, he and his wife Shayla, have been great friends um, and encouragers. And man, he will get all up in your grill, won't he? Like, get all up in your face. And, um, and I, I love that about his personality. You guys are very, very blessed to have a pastor and his wife who have incredible vision and heart for a community that needs somebody to have incredible vision and heart. And so uh, excited to be here. Also, really jacked up to be a part of this. You guys, this campus is what, like eight weeks old or something. Is that about right? So um, this is amazing. Uh, we, our church, Lifeson Church, launched in a movie theater um, seven and a half years ago. And so when, we, when Pastor TJ and I were walking in uh, this morning, we w- walked through the doors and he said, does this like bring back memories? I said, yeah, nightmares. It's just, it's crazy to walk back into movie theater. Um, we were portable for six years. And, uh, and then we, we were fortunate to, to buy a building and moved in in December of 2012. So about 14 months ago. And um, yeah, I walked down, I was like, wow, like blast from the past to be back here. So uh, really, really cool to be a part of what Coastal is doing to celebrate all the great stories. TJ and Shayla were sharing some of the transformational stories from this campus and from the Coconut Creek campus, and it is really cool. I'm not originally from Worcester, so um, that's why I still have R's in my words, because I'm originally from Kansas City, and so we have all 26 letters in our alphabet like you do, but people in Worcester don't use R's. Um, everything is missing, and, um, and they spell it weird, and all that stuff. So our church is just a little bit south of Worcester. And, um, and so getting a chance to be here with you guys is a real honor. I, I did have the privilege of being at Coastal just a few years ago, right after you launched. And getting to see what God has done over this last four years is really a crazy, crazy thing. Sometimes I think when we're in the midst of it, we miss the magnitude of it. Um, when we're right in the middle of doing stuff and, and executing church and, and going to church and, and sometimes even just celebrating the wins that are happening, we can lose sight of the, of the magnificence and the magnitude of what is happening as a result of it. So um, don't miss out on that. I know you're not because you're only a few weeks old here at this campus, but it's crazy to just celebrate. This morning, we're going to pray, and then um, I'll jump into our, our uh, message this morning as we kick off the series all in, okay? Would you pray with me? Father God, we come to you in Jesus' name. Lord, we just thank you for all of the great stuff that you are doing. We thank you for the fingerprints we see in the lives that are being changed, that are being moved forward, that are being 
being transformed, that are being drawn into Coastal Community Church. Thank you for each person that's here. God, thank you for their heart to, to not only be a part of your church, God, but for the people that are around them in this community. God, we invite you to have your way in us this morning uh, to change us and shape us into your likeness, to touch places in us that need to be uh, maybe moved aside, and, and God, to encourage and, and, and just blow on the places that are, that are thriving uh, already. And so we just invite you, Holy Spirit, to have your way in Jesus' name. Amen. So um, here's the thing. We're kicking off this series uh, all in, and, and I just have a question for you as we get started. How many of you guys have grandparents? Okay, well, you all should have your hand up. They, they may have, yeah, yeah well, you wouldn't be here if you didn't have grandparents. But um, So yours may have passed on already, but we all have grandparents. And, and I had four grandparents. They're all passed on. But my, my mom's parents lived just a little ways from us when I was growing up. So I grew up in Kansas City. And just down the street, around the corner, down another street, and around another corner is where my grandparents lived. And my mom's mom was this little tiny, like four foot six, just idiot bitty woman. And, um, and she was amazing and wonderful. But she, the, one of my favorite things about my grandmother was she made great food and, and snacks and treats for us. Anybody else's grandparents? Like that's the reason, like half of us, that's the only reason we ever saw our grandparents is for the food. That's just how it was. So, um, so man, my grandmother was like that. We called her BB and uh, she made great snacks. It was always cookies and treats and stuff down there. And, um, and it, her dinners weren't great though. She made like round steak in a skillet. And it was always nasty, but the snacks, were really good. So, um, so I would go visit my grandmother, and, and, and I loved going down there. And I had a, I had a, I had a Huffy, an orange Huffy bike for the old people. So um, an orange Huffy bike that had the banana seat that was tan leather, and, um, and it, was, it had like, like, like little engraved cowboy stuff on it. And, um, but it had like the little ribbons off the handles. So I was in therapy for a while, but it was, so it was a great bike, but I, but it was, you know, you, I tried to like grab all the little things and curl them up in my hand to hold onto the handlebars so they didn't dangle and blow as I rode by and all my friends, oh, look at what you got to ride and all that. So I would get on that bike and I would head down the road to go see my grandmother. I would drive down, down the street, turn left, I go past the park. At this park, my sister tried to follow me one day. She's two years younger than me and I jumped off, I was going down the slide, I hopped off the slide and she thought she'd be like her big brother. So she went down the slide hopped off in the middle, landed on her shoulder, broke her collarbone, and that's what you get for trying to be like your big brother. So um, I would ride past that park, and then I would turn down, and then I would turn left. And when I turned left, there was a, a, a storm drain kind of thing, this really deep place where all the water would run off to, and I would ride my bike, and up and down, and like, you know, precursor to half pipe, all the way down to my grandmother's. And if it rained really badly, I couldn't do that, or I'd get stuck in there, and almost drowned, but it was great. And I would get to my grandmother's house because I wanted these snacks, this, this, these awesome things my grandmother made. Sometimes I was just running from my father. So, um, but I would get there and my grandmother would always, hey, and she'd open the door and, ah, and it was, I was like, angels were singing, smells coming out. It was, food, it was awesome. And, um, and so I would say, you know, baby, I'm here to eat your food. And Bibi would say, great, come on in. She would come in and she'd get all the snacks out. And my grandmother loved jigsaw puzzles. 
Anybody ever done a jigsaw puzzle? I know that, yeah, okay. So now we do them on our like iPads, right? There's a jigsaw puzzle. Put that piece right there, whatever. But, but she had like the real deal jigsaw puzzle. And it was, she loved them. They were the greatest thing in the whole world to her. And she would always have a jigsaw puzzle. And so she would say, David, why don't you go sit out at the picnic table? And sometimes my sister would be there or my cousin. And we'd go out to the picnic table and she would come walking out with a plate full of snacks. And in, under her arm, as she kind of walked out there, would be a jigsaw puzzle. And she would She'd set this food down. She'd grab the puzzle and she'd hold it up. Look. She sounded just like that. Look. And, I, and we would look at the puzzle and it would be some, you know, elephant or a, flowers or whatever it was. And she'd, look, I got a new puzzle. And it said on it, this puzzle has more pieces than any human being on the earth can ever put together. Six trillion pieces on this puzzle. And we would always look at, oh, yay, baby, another puzzle. Oh, okay, awesome. If that's what I got to do to eat, then that's what I'll do. So we would sit down, and we would eat the snacks. And she would open up the puzzle. She'd, she'd, she'd put the, you know, the, the lid over here so you could see it. And then she would dump all the pieces out on the, on the picnic table. And, and the, so we'd sort them all out. And my cousin's name was David. I don't know why my mom and her sister or her brother named their sons the same name, but whatever. So David and I would sit there, or Heather, my sister and I would sit there, and we'd start to sort out the pieces. We're stuffing our face. We're sorting out the pieces. And immediately we would start saying things like, who's going to do the sides? Who's going to get the corners? Who's going to, right? And we'd start sorting out pieces and beginning to put it together. And invariably, because we're on a picnic table and out in the backyard, pieces would fall off the table. Or they would go in the crevice, the cracks between the boards. They'd fall on the ground next to the dog junk and we and you'd have to find the pieces and so we'd be getting putting the pieces together and we'd be putting the puzzle together and maybe we'd have to come back the next day and continue it and we get to the place where we were almost to the end we're approaching completion the puzzle is visible we look at the cover we see the picture of the elephant this looks like an elephant we're almost there and then we discover we're out of pieces we're almost there the picture is almost but there's a hole here and a hole here and a hole here I can see the finished picture, but there's missing puzzle pieces that, so it's not quite complete, even though it's noticeable. I can, I can tell what it is, but it's incomplete. And it would drive us out of our mind. And what did we do at that point? We began search and rescue. We would st- look at the yard. We'd be down on the ground, digging through the grass. We'd be going back through pockets, looking in shirts, went, p- ripping the box apart. Where's the missing piece? We need the missing piece. This puzzle will never be right until every piece of the puzzle is plugged into the picture. And it will never look right. We'll know what it is, but it will be incomplete without all the pieces. And... It used to drive us nuts. My grandmother loved to put the puzzle glue on it and glue it all together and hang it up on the wall. But any picture that we never got completed never got celebrated. Every puzzle we put together that we never found the one or two or three or four or six, whatever it was, pieces never got painted with the glue and hung on the wall or stuck in my grandfather's office where we could celebrate. Never happened. And there was always this, ah, we worked really hard at this. We can tell it's done, but something's missing. And, and, and as I was thinking about Coastal and thinking about what God has done here and thinking about us as, 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 as Christ followers, sometimes I think we miss the idea of our role in the picture that God is putting together in your church. That, that, that there is this incredible vision and mission that Coastal has, and he's, God is orchestrating and formulating a picture that he's painting that is beautiful, and it takes a lot of pieces to make the picture complete. 
And sometimes I think we sit on the sidelines individually and go, that's really awesome what they're doing, and I respect it, and it's amazing, and I can see the picture, but I'm not going to plug into the puzzle. I'm not going to fill it in. And this is, this is the even crazier part. If that's you this morning, just want to say this. What you may not realize is that all of the people that are plugged into the puzzle, the picture is nearly complete, are cheering on you to plug into the picture for you, not even for them. Your absence from the puzzle, the incompletion of it, is really about you becoming something, not about free labor. And, and, and I think this just gets messed up all the time in churches. And, and hopefully that's not true of, of Coastal, but I think for some of you, it probably is. For some of you, you probably think to yourself, I've got some things that get in the way. We're going to talk about that in a minute. I don't have anything to offer. We're going to talk about that in a minute. I'm already too important. My job is too big. My, my demands are too high. My kids' sports are too much. There's too much going on. I can't really be that person. And here's the thing. All of the people that are here, the tech teams and the greeting teams and the teams that set up and all of the people that play a part, are cheering you on for you to get plugged in to the puzzle. Not for them. And this is the massive misconception in church, I think. That they think that pastors like me, or like Pastor TJ and Shayla, are cheering for you to get involved in serving, and, and talking about participating, and playing a part, and getting beyond you, so that they can get free labor. And it's really not about that. Let me, let me just read a passage for you in Romans chapter 12. And I'm going to give you a big idea and you can, you can jot these things down. Romans chapter 12, I'm going to begin reading in verse 3. It says this. It says, do not think of yourself more highly than you ought to, but rather think of yourself with sober judgment. Here's what he says right at the beginning of, the, of this verse. He says, here's the deal. Everybody matters, but don't be full of yourself. Th evaluate yourself well. Don't compare yourself to others. You should be thinking. I should be thinking about myself in accordance with the way God has designed me, the potential he's put in me, the way he's wired me. That's how I'm supposed to be evaluating myself. Not I'm special, not I'm amazing, and also not I'm worthless. I have nothing to give or offer. I'm broken. Evaluate yourself relative to the potential God has put in you. And to the degree it is yet unfulfilled, be pursuing that. Here's how he goes on and describes it. He says, in accordance with the measure of faith God has given you, just as each of us has one body with many members, and these members do not have all the same function, so in Christ we who are many form one body, and each member belongs to all the other members. In other words, if you're here, and this is, this is home for you, maybe it's only been home for three weeks. Maybe you're here and you're like, yeah, I've been coming three times. I'm not even sure it's home, but I think it's home because I've come a few times. It's likely this is home. For some of you, you launched this campus from Coconut Creek. You came and helped make this happen. For some of you, have been here since launch day. Here's the deal. If this is a place you consider yourself, you know, this is your church. You're not a member yet, but you consider it your church. You're coming regularly. You consider it. You don't even have the right. I don't have the right to say, uh, I'm going to withhold my part of the puzzle for whatever reason I come up with, I'm going to keep it for me. I'm not going to add it to the picture that God is putting together here at Coastal. It, scripture says that you don't, each of us belongs to all of the others. You belong to the guys on the tech team. You belong to the impressions people. You are a part of something. And if you stand outside it, you're effectively saying, God, I'm exercising my own rights and, and basically saying to you, I don't care what you say. I get to decide. Because scripture says you and I don't. 
we have a responsibility for our own good to be a part. And here's the three things that get in the way. And, um, and, and I've, I've, I've put this, you know, under the section called Get Mine. The big idea for us today is this. When I fill the hole in the puzzle, I move toward feeling or becoming whole myself. When I fill the hole in the puzzle, when I look at the picture and I say, there's the hole, I can fill the hole. I've got gifts and potential. I can plug that hole. It's a little, it's a little hole. It's a big hole. I can fill the hole. When I do that, I move from a place where I am fractured singularly to a place where I become whole internally. It, it messes with us in a good way on the inside when we plug ourselves into the hole that we see in the picture. So here are three things. This is all out of, out of the book of Ecclesiastes. Um, the, the writer is talking about some things that get in the way, and he says this. He says, I have seen everything, all the things that are done under the sun, all of them are meaningless, a chasing after the wind. And so I want to give you three things that are kind of the, the get minds that get in the way. And this is a cultural challenge that, I, that all of us have to kind of face down, is what are the things that stand in the way of me being selfless? And I really boil them down to three categorical things. The first one is affirmations. Affirmations, or you can write the word pleasures in there if you want to. They're the things that we see that we believe will make us feel good. They affirm who we are. They make me feel good. I go and play soccer because I can play it pretty well, and people go, yeah, you're really good. It makes me feel good. And so I prioritize that over something else like serving, because I, this is what makes me feel good. I like the experience of my wife loves the beach. She and my, she and my daughter are, are down here uh, at Coastal with us this weekend, and, and she loves the beach. She loves to lay out and, and, and get sun, and I can't because I'm Irish, so I have to live in a box, so it's okay, but that's all right. It's okay, so that's why we live in Alaska. So, um, so anyway, she loves that, and so it would be easy for her because that's something that brings her pleasure. She feels good when she goes to the beach, just takes a nap, reads, lays out in the sun, all that, especially because we get so little up in the Northeast, that, that it would be easy for her to say, that's a pleasure for me. It affirms me. It makes me feel good. I like it, and so I take it, and I go, and so I'm going to give my attention to that over something else. And, and the writer of Ecclesiastes says about this, he's, he says, I denied myself nothing that my eyes desired. I refused my heart no pleasure. And I, and I discovered that everything was meaningless, a chasing after the wind. Nothing was gained under the sun. Affirmations are things that bring me pleasure, and they're things that, that I find a measure of fulfillment in. And because I like them and they bring me pleasure, I prioritize them over the thing that will make me unfractured. Here's the second thing is accomplishments or successes. It's kind of the, the list of achievements. The, it could be bucket list things that I want to get done. It could be um, things I've had success at. It could be education. It could be, you know, a work accomplishment. It could be some other goal. It could be, you know, I want to win the CrossFit games or something like that, whatever it is. And so I prioritize those things because they satisfy me. They make me feel good about me and they get my priority. Here's the third thing, and that's the word acquisitions or the things that I have gathered together. In Ecclesiastes 5, he says, toward the end of the, the middle of the book, he says, whoever loves money never has enough, and whoever loves wealth is never satisfied with his income. This too is meaningless. Here's what he's saying. He's not saying money is bad. Don't misunderstand. The, the, the message is not wealth is evil, success is bad, money is evil. The message is when the pursuit and a, an acquisition of resources and the things resources can buy you, is the thing that you think will bring you fulfillment, you will discover the meaninglessness of that pursuit. And, and these three things dominate the place we prioritize our life. Our affirmations, our, our uh, acquisitions, and our accomplishments. 
And for you this morning, it could be one of those things, even in just the last few weeks since this church has launched, maybe you were part of a previous church, maybe you have no relationship with God until you arrived here at, at, at Coastal. Maybe you're not even sure you're in agreement yet with the fact that, that they serve Jesus and you're just kind of checking it all out. Here's the thing. The fractured reality of who we are will stay fractured to the degree that plugging into the puzzle stays absent from our life. It will always stay fractured. You can never fix it by filling it with those other things. And they're the things that our culture tells us will only fix it. But I'm just telling you, according to scripture, you and I can only get healed. We can only get whole if we move into a place where we live beyond us. Here's the way it worked in the Old Testament. For years and years and years, thousands of years, the Old Testament, as particularly the church, specifically the church, functioned this way. There was a priest, there were some leaders, there was some, some people who served there, some maybe firstborns that had been dedicated and left there to be discipled. There were some, some young people there, and then there were maybe some prophets or whatever. There were two, three, six, twelve people that served in the temple. And their job was everything. It was do it all. It was, you know, sweep the floor, replenish the water, preach the messages, read the scripture, you know, lead worship. How many of you want to hear Pastor TJ lead worship? Some of you are like, I don't want that at all. Thank you very much. I like our worship leader. Can we keep him? Okay. So, so here's the thing. And they did everything. They, they, they led worship. They sang the songs. They taught the scriptures. They, 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 they uh, developed leaders. They did everything all by themselves. And thousands of people would show up at the temple. And they would gather in the outer courts. And they would celebrate. And they would have a good time. They'd high five. And they'd have all this celebration. And then they would go in to the temple. Into the place where the word was read. And, and the service happened. And all that. And everything was done by the same two or three or four people. And that's the way it went for thousands of years. Big, big, big temple. Small temple. It worked that way. And then Jesus comes along, and he, he, he comes to earth, and he flips the whole idea on its ear. And he says, look, here's the deal. Every single person is a priest. Because the relationship with God that you and I individually have makes us capable of giving away the good news of Jesus. It isn't just reserved for the elect, the holy, the educated. It's reserved for everyone, which makes it non-reserved. Makes it everyone's. So he says to every one of you and me, he says, and you're all a priest. Now here's the crazy thing. In that culture, the priest was the person who did the teaching and did the sacrificing. They taught the scriptures and they killed the animals for sin. That's what they did. And then he says, but no, 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 here's the thing. You can do all that. You can give away good news. And he goes on in, in scripture and he says, and you can forgive people of their sins. You can tell them, hey man, God forgives you. you seek him, ask him, he'll forgive you. I, I can communicate that. It doesn't take this elect person. And then he goes on and says, and now because you're a minister, the whole world of ministry is yours. It's not Jimmy the rabbis anymore. It's yours. And so this thing happens where Jesus is, is communicating this and, and, and he's in this, this room with his disciples, his, his best friends. And in John chapter 13, he, he has this encounter with them. They're going up to prepare to eat and, and, and um, the Passover meal. And they go into this place to eat and they're sitting around eating. And then Jesus does this thing where as they're, as they're eating and talking, he gets up from the table and he walks over to the doorway and he gets this basin that has some water or has a pitcher that he puts water in the basin. He carries it over to where they are. He grabs a towel. He takes off his robe. He puts a towel around his waist and he walks over to all the disciples and he begins to wash their feet. And he has this encounter with them in John chapter 13. And here's, here's the deal. In that culture at that time, 
the custom was that um, you had water available. Every home, whether it was, you know, of low means or high means, the rich, the poor, didn't matter. The, the, the appropriate, the responsible, the, 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 the courteous thing to do was to have water available that when someone entered your home, they could clean off their feet. Now, here's why. Because in that culture, they, they wore open-toed shoes all the time. They were, you know, just a piece of leather on their foot, strapped in, and they walked around everywhere. And everywhere they walked was dusty and dirty and muddy. There was no pavement. There was no street cleaners. There was, there was nothing. There were no, you know, sprayers to spray. Th- there was nothing. It was just nasty. So not only were their feet nasty full of just, you know, sweat and toe jam and ingrown toenails, but they wandered around in muck and mud all the time. So caked in between their toes was mud and nastiness. And they would show up in a home, and if it was a wealthy home, a servant would come, and they would sit them down, and they would untie their sandals. They would take their stuff off. They would rinse off their sandals, and then they would scrub their feet. No latex gloves, no sterile sprays. They would just get their hands in the middle of their feet and wash off all the dirt and the nastiness and clean them up. And then they'd take these clean sandals, they'd put them back on their feet, and the person could then go into the house feeling clean and fresh because their feet had been washed. Now, in a, low, a house of low means, there was nobody to do that. You did it yourself. But the bowl was always there. And when you showed up, you may not have someone to wash your feet, but it would be irresponsible, it would be discourteous not to go get the water and clean yourself up before you went into the home. But in a wealthy home, there was a servant, and you didn't talk to the servant. They were below you. So you just, you let them do what they did while you talked to the host or whatever it was till they were finished and then you entered the home. And Jesus, in the middle of this, in, in John chapter 13, I'm gonna, I'm gonna read you several verses from John chapter 13 uh, this morning. Jesus begins this journey with his disciples. And so um, I'm gonna begin reading in verse three. It says this, Jesus knew that the father had given him authority over everything that he, and that he had come from God and would return to God. So he got up from the table, took off his robe, wrapped the towel around his waist and poured water into a basin. And then he began to wash the disciples' feet, drying them with the towel he had around him. And when Jesus came to Simon Peter, Peter said to him, Lord, are you gonna wash my feet? And Jesus said, you don't understand now what I'm doing, but someday you will. No, Peter protested. You will never again ever wash my feet. And Jesus said, unless I wash you, you won't belong to me. And Simon Peter exclaimed, then wash my hands and my head as well, Lord, not just my feet. But Jesus said, a person who is bathed all over does not need to wash except for the feet to be entirely clean. And you disciples are clean, but not all of you. For he knew who would betray him. And that is what he meant when he said, not all of you are clean. And after washing their feet, he put on his robe again and sat down and asked, do you understand what I was doing? You call me teacher and Lord, and you are right because that's what I am. And since I, your Lord and teacher, have washed your feet, you ought to wash each other's feet. I have given you an example to follow. Do as I have done to you, for I tell you the truth. Slaves are not greater than their master, nor is the messenger more important than the one who sends the message. Now that you know these things, God will bless you for doing them. And here's what I want you to get. Four things about living beyond yourself. Here's the first thing Jesus was saying, is that serving puts you at the front of the line. It puts you way out in front ahead of everybody else. And that doesn't make a whole lot of sense, which is the second thing. Just write it down. Serving is confusing because the idea of giving up myself, the things that make me feel good, to go and take care of somebody else in some capacity is exactly backwards to everything our culture says. Everything that we're a part of says, serve self, do for you, get yours. That's what everything about our culture says. And Jesus says, here's the thing. If you will do what I say, if you will make yourself the last, you will become the first. So here's the crazy part. He says this, and and what immediately goes through your mind, like my mind is, great. So I want to be first. That's who I want to be. 
And since I want to be first, what you're saying is the way to be first is to not be first. Okay, so I will selfishly get myself to the head of the line by putting myself at the back of the line. And Jesus says, right. And then the good, pious Christian says, but wait a minute, that means my motivation is all wrong. Shouldn't my motivation be, I don't care about being first? Isn't the right answer to say, Jesus, wherever I fit in the line is okay. God, if I'm the puzzle piece that doesn't even make it into the puzzle, I'm the extra printed piece that came along with the puzzle that never fits. I, I's okay. The right motivation is, Jesus, it doesn't matter. Just pour me. But here's the deal. Our motivation almost always is for us because we're selfish. And Jesus says, here's the thing. Here's what I get because I'm smarter than you. Here's what I get. Is that if you will decide you will serve others, if you'll put yourself at the back of the line, even if you think it's going to get you to the front of the line, I don't give a crap. If you'll get to the back of the line and serve somebody else, your whole life will change as a result of it. Everything shifts. You, I don't care what your motivation is. If your motivation is self, but you go to the back of the line, you will serve somebody and you'll have an encounter with somebody and their life will get flipped on its ear. They'll go from brokenness to wholeness and you will know you've laid a part in it and something in you, a fracture in the, in the, in the person that you are, a broken place, will get healed because you watch something change there. And you immediately go from last to first. And you, and, you, and you stopped thinking about it. You and I forgot about it. I went to the back of the line going, okay, how long do I have to be here at the back of the line before they move me way up there? How long do I have to be here? I want to be, I want to be up there. I want to go up there. How long? And so he says, I don't, I, just, go do, just go be there. And you get there. You do something. And somebody's life changes. You go, oh my gosh, I could care less about that. Look at this. Brokenness became whole. My brokenness is getting whole. The line is irrelevant. I'm in the puzzle. The picture's becoming clear. And, and, and it's not about free labor. It's not about churches need people to serve. No, no, no. It's about your wholeness comes when you step out of the place, the front of the line, the place where it's, I'm thinking too highly of myself. And I go, wait a minute. All of this that I am and that I have isn't about me anyway. So how can I use it for something bigger than me? How can I fill a place in the puzzle? Here's the third thing that Jesus says in John chapter 13, is that serving others is actually our calling. It's, it, it, we often think our calling is our occupation, the place we work, the thing we do. But here's what Jesus says in John 13. He says, now that I, your Lord and teacher, have washed your feet, you should wash one another's. In other words, here's what I've done. I'm the Lord and teacher, and you're right. And I got on my knees and got my hands in the messiness of your life, in the dirty places of your feet that no one, you don't even want to touch your own feet, and I'm touching them. Now, here's the deal. This is what you're designed to do. You're not designed to be a CEO. You can be a CEO, and it's awesome, but that's not what you're designed for. You can be a janitor and be great at it, but that's not what you're designed for. What you're designed for, the place that you are called to if you serve Jesus, is to take off your sandals, take off your robe, forget the front of the line, and be at the back of the line saying, how do I fix? How do I help? How do I serve? That's the calling we're commanded to live in. Romans 12 says we belong to each other. John 13 says, I've done it. Now you go do it. Here's the fourth thing. Write this down, and then we're going to pray. It says this. Uh, serving is the only thing that can bring absolute fulfillment. Lots of things can be temporarily and partially fulfilling. Lots of things. Lots of things. But nothing can be absolutely fulfilling. 
Nothing except serving. And, and I love the way that Jesus said it at the end of the passage there in verse 17. He says, now, now that you know these things, right? He's given this whole story. Here's who I am. Here's what I've done. I have to wash your feet. You don't understand it. That's because you're dumb, but I'm really smart. So trust me. After he says all this stuff, he gets to the end and he says, now if you do all these things that I've told you, you will be blessed. If you do what I've told you, blessing is promised. If you'll give up the preference, the person, the placement, the fulfillment, the pursuit of sin, if you'll just simply take off your robe, get the water, and wash some feet, blessing happens automatically. You can't help it. You can't stop it. It happens. It's one of the reasons I love the mission of, of this church is just to love people. Love them well. Show it. That is fundamental to the idea of serving. And so today, I just, I want to challenge you this way. Some of you guys, have, as I said, have been around here for a little while, and you're still what I call kind of in, in, in Operation A, Operation Attendance. I, I go here. I love it here. I value our church. I'm thankful for Pastor TJ and Shayla and leaders here and worship team, and I, I love our tech, all those things. That's great. But we're still in Operation A. We're just attending. But here's the thing. You, uh, John 13 says that we're called to be the church. We're called to do something. We're, we're called to play a part in it. And our puzzle our puzzle at our church, your puzzle at your church that God has designed with six trillion pieces might be missing a few and it might be you. It could very well be you. And the puzzle, the picture will be incomplete until you get out of the seat and strap on a towel and wash some feet. I want to pray for you this morning. I want to invite you to just let the Holy Spirit work on you a little bit as we pray and close this morning. Would you join me? Father, we just come to you in Jesus' name, just surrendering to you all of our personal stuff, all the things that get in, a, get in the way, all of the things that we prioritize, the way we, we personally justify our priorities out of a place of participation and living in a place of simply showing up. And God, this morning, we just submit it to you. Say, Lord, show me the places where it's appropriate priorities and show me the places where it's just selfish, where I'm just, I'm just justifying some things, but it's not what you would have for me, God. I know that I need your light to shine on. I need your Holy Spirit to speak into it. I need to hear the voice of God nudging me out of certain places and into new places. And so, God, I just submit it to you this morning. Just submit it to you, God. Would you shine the light of truth into the innermost parts of who I am? Would you show me, even God, by your Holy Spirit, a place where I can step out of a place of comfort and into a place of, of discomfort, out of a place of self and into a place of service, a place of fracturedness in my own reality, into a place where I can become whole as you use me to shape and change lives, no matter how much I think I, think I can or cannot, but you can use me. And I just give you permission, God, to move me into that place this morning. I just want to encourage you as, as the Holy Spirit just kind of speaks that to you, ministers that to you. I want to encourage you not to let it simply be a moment with God right now, but to take action on it. To respond in such a way that, that you know very well that God has moved and spoken and, and nudged you and you've cooperated with that. For the sake of the picture that God's putting together. Is bigger than me. It's bigger than you. It's bigger than TJ. Can't be done by one. Takes all the pieces on the, on the table. Put together. Fitted together rightly. So be bold and take a step into that place. And make a difference. Change the face of this Pompano community by playing a part in the mission here.